Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. that I have so looked forward to studying these verses is because there is no place in Scripture where we get a more insightful look into how Paul viewed ministry and how he carried on his own personal ministry than here in Acts 20. You see, in saying his goodbyes to the leaders of this church, Paul looks back at his three years with them, three years that he was with them in Ephesus, and he reminds them how he conducted himself from the very first day that he stepped foot in their city to the time that he departed. In other words, he describes them how he lived, how he served the Lord during the three years that he was with them. And as a result, what we learn from Paul's farewell address is how a man of God is to conduct his life and his service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why this passage of Scripture is so meaningful to me, because it gives me a model to follow. Welcome to a brand new series on our verse-by-verse radio program. Today, Pastor Steve Kreloff starts a series titled, A Faithful Shepherd Says Farewell. This is the Apostle Paul's farewell address to the elders at the Church of Ephesus. However, it is much more than that. It is an outline to effective pastoral ministry. If you're not a pastor, you might think, well, (laughs) this series is not for me. However, that is not the case. We all have much to learn in this series, so let's open our hearts to God's Word as Pastor Steve begins this new series, A Faithful Shepherd Says Farewell. This morning, we have come to a passage of Scripture that I have been waiting to study and teach for many, many years. In fact, it would not be an exaggeration to say that I've been waiting my whole ministry of almost 40 years of being pastor here to teach this passage. I've taught parts of it, but never have gone through it. The passage I'm referring to is the one I read to you just a few minutes ago, Acts chapter 20. It is Paul's farewell address to the elders of the church at Ephesus as he tells them that they will see his face no more. He doesn't mean that he'll be wearing a mask. He means this is the last time they will be meeting with him. The last time they'll see him, the last time in this world that he will be with them, and therefore he is passing on to them the baton of leadership so that they can properly care for the church. Now, the reason that I have so looked forward to studying these verses is because there is no place in Scripture where we get a more insightful look into how Paul viewed ministry and how he carried on his own personal ministry than here in Acts 20. 
You see, in saying his goodbyes to the leaders of this church, Paul looks back at his three years with them, three years that he was with them in Ephesus, and he reminds them how he conducted himself from the very first day that he stepped foot in their city to the time that he departed. In other words, he describes them how he lived how he served the Lord during the three years that he was with them. And as a result, what we learn from Paul's farewell address is how a man of God is to conduct his life and his service for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why this passage of Scripture is so meaningful to me, because it gives me a model to follow in seeking to emulate Paul in carrying out a Christ-honoring pastoral ministry, because that's what Paul really had to this church But listen, Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders, it's also meaningful because not only does Paul look back at his three years that he was with them and reveal how he personally conducted himself at that time, but he also looks ahead. He looks to the future as he warns these men about the challenges they would soon be facing as leaders of their church. And so in doing so, what Paul reveals is what are the priorities for those of us who are in pastoral ministry. So when we put all this together, Paul's description of how he conducted his own ministry and his charge to these elders about their responsibility as church leaders, when you put all of it together, I really don't know of any other passage of scripture that has so influenced and shaped my ministry more than Paul's farewell address to these elders. And the reason for this is because this passage, this teaching, Paul's words They have helped me to define and understand my role as a pastor concerning the importance of this passage as a model of life and ministry. John MacArthur said this. He said, this passage in Acts 20 gives insight into Paul's view of the ministry. It does not focus on technique, but on the godly attitudes that he modeled. Trying to copy the apostle's style would be wrong-headed. For Paul's success was not based on his ministry methodology. The apostle's successful ministry flowed from his devotion to truth, spiritual character, commitment to serving God, and the resultant powerful example his life set for others. There is no credibility gap between the truth he proclaimed and the way he lived. But I want you to understand this. Although this passage is certainly important for pastors, it's also very important and is relevant for every Christian and for several reasons. First of all, seeing Paul's godliness in how he served the Lord should impact all of us because all of us have been called to some sphere of ministry. Pastors teach you the word so that we equip you that you might carry on your own work of service. So regardless of your sphere of ministry, Paul's the model. Paul's the model. In fact, remember on several occasions, the apostle Paul said to the whole church, not simply to the leaders, follow me as I follow Christ. And this passage in this, we see exactly what he meant by this. We can follow him in his life and ministry. Secondly, in learning what Paul expected the Ephesian elders to do as pastors of the church, it enlightens you as a congregation to know what your elders are supposed to be doing because the priorities for these men That's the same priorities for us. Therefore, it helps you to know how can you be praying for your elders and holding them accountable to do what we're supposed to do. So this passage is important for all of us. Third, in this passage, we're given marvelous insight into Paul's view of the church and therefore his love of the church because the apostle Paul loved the church. 
and in seeing how he viewed the church and the sacrifices that he made for the church ought to motivate us to have that same type of love, the same kind of devotion and sacrificial heart for the people for whom Christ shed his blood. So, This is an incredibly important passage of Scripture. It is an incredibly relevant portion of the Word of God for all of us. But before we examine these verses, before we unfold them, we first need to see how Paul came to even address the Ephesian elders. And I say that because, as you'll recall, with the close of Acts chapter 19 and the beginning of chapter 20, we learn that Paul has left Ephesus. He's departed. He's gone. Very soon after a very dangerous riot erupted in the city. But even prior to the riot, the apostle had a plan. His plan was to depart Ephesus in order, he said, to go to Jerusalem with the goal of ultimately getting to the capital city of Rome. I point you back to Acts 19.21 where we read from Luke. Now, after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, that's Greece, saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. Now, as you can see, and we've studied this in the past, before going to Jerusalem, Paul's plan included visiting several churches in the areas of Macedonia and Achaia in order to collect their love offerings for the famine-stricken Jewish believers in the Jerusalem church. And so that's what this is about. And as we've seen already from our previous studies in Acts 20, after visiting these churches, Paul continued his journey to Jerusalem by setting sail from the city of Philippi. Then, stopping off at the town of Troas, the apostle spent seven days with the believers there, the believers in Troas, and on the last day with them, which was the first day of the week, which was Sunday, he gathered with them for their weekly church worship service, and he taught them the word of God all through the night until the early hours of the morning. And then he departed. He left Troas as he continued his journey to Jerusalem. Now, we pick up what happened next, starting with verse 13, as Luke continues his inspired narrative. And so we read, but we, and the we would include Luke. Luke has now rejoined the team. But we, going ahead to the ship, set sail for Asos, intending from there to take Paul on board, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Asos, we took him on board and came to Mytilena. Sailing from there, we arrived the following day opposite Chios, and the next day we crossed over to Samos, Samos, And the day following we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he would not have to spend time in Asia. For he was hurrying to be in Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now, we needn't spend much time, folks, looking at these verses, because frankly they're they're simply a a step-by-step account of Paul's voyage from the city of Troas to the city of Miletus, where he decided to stop for a while and meet with the elders from the church at Ephesus before continuing on to Jerusalem. However, a few things stand out that are important to you, so I'm not going to take much time on this, but I think this is a few things to know that are significant. First of all, we learn from Luke that upon leaving Troas, Paul arranged for his traveling companions to board a ship and sail to the port city of Asos, which was about 20 miles south of Troas. However, instead of joining them on this ship, 
the apostle decided to walk this distance on land, this 20-mile distance, to meet these men at a prearranged place in Asos. Now, why Paul did this, we're not told. Luke doesn't tell us. Paul doesn't reveal it. Perhaps some of the believers at Troas walked a while with him, and this gave Paul more time to teach them. That's very possible. The text doesn't say that. That's possible, though. Or perhaps Paul wanted this opportunity to just be alone, be by himself in order to pray and to meditate on what he was going to say to the Ephesian elders. That's very possible, but we don't know for certain. But regardless of why Paul did it this way, we read that he did walk this 20-mile distance to Asos, where he met up again with his traveling companions. And from there we read that for the next few days, the ship made several stops before arriving in a city by the name of Miletus, which was located 30 miles south of the city of Ephesus. Now Luke adds that Paul made the decision to sail past Ephesus and not revisit the city or the church there because he knew that this would be too time-consuming since he was rushing now to get to Jerusalem, if possible, by the Feast of Pentecost, which is always 50 days after the Passover feast. Now apparently the ship that Paul was on was scheduled to remain in Miletus for several days. So instead of him going into Ephesus and visiting the Ephesians, Paul decided instead to call for the elders of the church to come to him. So we read in verse 17 and then the beginning of verse 18, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called to him the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them. Now Paul knew that these men would soon be facing some very dangerous times, very difficult times, very challenging times in the life of their church. So he decided to use his time wisely by giving them much needed instruction about what was coming and how they are to respond and behave and guide and teach and instruct the church in light of what was coming. As I said earlier, his instruction to them, it's critical as he reminds them first of how he He, Paul, served the Lord when he was with them. And then secondly, he exhorts them to follow his example because they are now the ones entrusted with the task of shepherding the church. And they'll have to do this without his help since this is the last time that they would ever be meeting with him. And he wants them to know how to lead the people of God in his absence. Now, before we look at Paul's words to the Ephesian elders, I want to share with you a few truths that I think will enhance your understanding of this passage. First of all, it's helpful to understand who these elders were. They were the leaders. They were the pastors of the church. If you look at verse 28, you'll see that Paul refers to these men by several terms. He says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, having referred to them already by the term elders of the church, not because these were old guys, but because of their spiritual maturity, here we see that Paul also calls them, notice, overseers. What does that mean? Well, that speaks of their function in overseeing and leading and ruling the church. They are over the church, having been put there by Christ himself. Then he tells these elders, overseers, notice, to shepherd the church, which is the same Greek word for pastoring. 
could have easily have been translated pastoring the church instead of shepherd, pastoring. And pastoring means that these men were now responsible to do what a shepherd does, to feed the flock, to nurture the church by teaching them the word of God. So it's important to understand that Paul is instructing the pastors of this church. This is basically a pastor's conference in the city of Miletus, where Paul is telling these men how to conduct their lives and ministry. Secondly, Paul's words to these elders are significant because this is the only message, only message given by an apostle in the book of Acts, which is addressed specifically to Christians. Every other message in Acts is either an evangelistic sermon to unbelievers or a legal defense before Jewish or Roman authorities. So this address to Christian, to a Christian audience, it's unique, it's special, and it is important. The only one in the book of Acts. Third, although there is some repetition, there's some going back and forth between Paul talking about the past, talking about the future, the easiest way to follow the apostle's words is to see that he structured his message twofold. First, by reminding these elders of how he served the Lord in the past when he was with them. That's the past. Then secondly, he tells them how they should serve the Lord in light of the future danger that will soon be coming upon them and the church. So this is our background. We're now ready to study, to plunge into the text, to see Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders. The first thing we read is Paul telling them how he served the Lord when he was with them. How he served the Lord in the past when he was with them. The passage opens up this way, verses 18 and 19. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Now, having called for the elders to make this 30-mile trek from Ephesus to Miletus, Luke tells us that once they arrived, Paul began addressing them by reminding these men of how he lived the whole time that he was with them. From the very first day that he set foot in the city until the day he departed the city three years later. And during this three-year period of time, he tells them in verse 19 that his entire time with them, he was serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Now, before proceeding any further, it's important for us to ask ourselves why would the apostle even do this? In other words, why would he go back in time and remind these men of what they already knew? They had been with him for three years. They had seen his life. Why does he have to tell them how he conducted himself and his ministry while he was with them? And the answer is, we don't know for certain why he did this, because the text doesn't tell us. There are some who believe that Paul was doing this in order to defend himself against accusations made by false teachers who were trying to destroy his credibility as a man of God. That's very possible. We don't know that for certain. We know that false teachers would soon be coming. It's very likely that some of them were already there, and perhaps they were spreading accusations and false charges against Paul, and perhaps this is a defense of himself. While that's certainly possible, the more likely reason, and the one that I hold to, is that Paul was presenting his own life and ministry as simply a model for these men to follow. He was reminding them of what they already knew, and by doing so, exhorting them to follow his example. And that's why these verses are so important, because we all need models. We all need 
examples to emulate. And in revealing the way that he conducted his life and ministry during his three years in Ephesus, God then has placed the Apostle Paul before us as a powerful illustration, an inspired illustration of the way all of us should live and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you look at the beginning of verse 19, you'll see that what Paul says about himself is that the entire time he was with them, with the Ephesians, he was, and I quote, he was serving the Lord. That's critical in understanding what Paul means by this so that you'll understand what he's about to tell these elders. See, the word for serving is a form of the Greek word doulos, which simply means a slave. Not really a servant who gets paid, a slave, a slave to a master. Therefore, what Paul is telling these men is that during the three years that he was with them, everything he did in terms of his life, in terms of his ministry to them, was done as a slave of Jesus Christ. In other words, his entire reason for being in Ephesus and proclaiming the gospel was because he was a slave, and he knew he was a slave, and he belonged to Jesus Christ, and therefore, as a slave, his only desire was to please his master. That's the only thing that a slave can do. Now, folks, I want you to understand, I want you to know this. This is where all life and ministry begin for a Christian. Regardless of what kind of sphere the Lord has called you to work in, the bottom line is that you have to approach your ministry as a slave of Jesus. You have to think like that. You have to remind yourself of what you are. Therefore, your primary motivation above everything else must be to serve Christ for the purpose of pleasing Him and pleasing Him alone. This is a profound truth. It's one that must not be minimized because sadly, sadly much of what is supposedly being done for Christ isn't being done with the attitude of trying to please Him. You see, to many Christians, their service is driven by a desire to please people, to gain the applause of man, to gain the approval of man, much like the Pharisees did. And frankly, that's why many Christians just drop out of ministering to others. It looks mysterious, but the reason they drop out of ministry is because they didn't get the approval they were looking for. They didn't get the thanks. They wanted others to think highly of them. They wanted others to express gratitude for their sacrifices or to tell them what a great job they were doing. And when they didn't get that, but instead they received complaints. They received criticism. They just quit. They just quit because they were disappointed, disillusioned, and they're not going to serve again because it hurt. That wasn't Paul's way. Paul was different, and we must be like Paul. Paul saw himself as a slave of Christ, and therefore he realized that the only thing that really mattered, the only thing that was really important as a slave was pleasing his master. That's exactly what Paul said on a number of occasions, but one verse that stands out in my mind, and one that I constantly have to go to when I'm faced with a difficult situation, is Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Listen to this. This is a verse worth memorizing and meditating on. Paul said, For am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Paul used to be a Pharisee who tried to please men, who did things so that he would get the approval of men. But after conversion, that all changed. I've looked at this verse many times. Many times in my ministry, when knowing in particular that I'm about to say something in the pulpit or I'm about to do something, 
perhaps uh, say something in a counseling situation, perhaps do something in which I'm going to be severely criticized for potentially, and I know that's coming. I have turned to this verse for strength, for encouragement, because I need to reaffirm in my heart the great truth that regardless of what other people may feel about me, I have to please Christ. I'm his servant. I'm his slave. And therefore, the only thing that matters is, Lord, are you pleased? Did you notice that as Pastor Steve was coming to the end of today's message, he explained Paul's attitude while he was teaching in Ephesus. Paul considered himself to be a servant, an unpaid servant at that. His goal was to please God in everything he did. Now that's a great reminder for each of us. Whether you are a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a janitor, a bus driver, whoever you are and whatever you do, your goal should be to please God in everything. I'd like to invite you to join us tomorrow for Verse by Verse as we continue with this teaching ministry of Pastor Steve Kreloff and we will continue to learn about being a faithful shepherd. 